0: Father, thank you for the reminder that our lives are in your Son. Hmm. Lord, if our lives were just in us, we're in a whole lot of trouble. We have nothing, even our best righteousness is just but filthy rags. And so we come dressed in your Son's righteousness. You fully accept us because of what he has done. We find hope and security and peace because we do not come with our own efforts. And yet, Lord, that great sanctifying work does not just end in salvation. It propels us into daily living for you, battling through our struggles and our weaknesses. It strengthens us to admit and confess sin. It keeps us on a narrow path. And so your work of your Son in us is, is continually at work. And we are so grateful. We are so thankful. We ask that you would remind us of the true meaning of Thanksgiving this morning. May not a person leave this room, this building, or hearing this online listen not listen with a heart of thanksgiving that we would leave now with with great thanksgiving great gratitude lord we would look at this truly christian holiday as a time to reflect with our family and loved ones and friends how grateful we are for christ lord remind us of these truths The world is pulling on another way. It pulls away from this. God, secure our hearts again in your truth today as we look. Father, we pray for many that I imagine are at home listening, Lord. Lord, you know how the flu has hit so much of our ministry. We pray that you would strengthen them, cause them to trust in you, Lord, that they would be encouraged by this message as they listen there's large, there's others who have gone through surgeries and and have have struggles that won 't even allow them to be with us, even if they really could, with all their strength they are, they're at home in bed, Lord, or in a hospital. We pray your mercy upon them, show your kindness to them, give them favor, help them be encouraged today, Lord, Lord, we think of our missionaries around the world. we thank you for these men and women who have answered the call gone to places that we ourselves cannot go at this moment lord show them grace and mercy help them know we love them we're thinking about we're given for them to be there we're praying for them i pray that they would sense that today lord through your spirit through the word of god as they study or teach or whatever they may be engaged with around the world lord Help them know we stand with them. And every soul that's one, Lord, we partner with, with them as they trust you for the salvation of that person. We pray that your church would continue to stand, Lord. In all different cultures and all different waves of persecution, cause it to stand, Lord. We give you praise and thanksgiving for what we're going to learn and be encouraged by in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take a little hiatus from our study in Mark. We are at the point where Jesus comes in and cleanses the temple. And so I thought instead of talking about him driving out the turkeys, we'll change somewhere else and we'll go to a passage that I love. I love this text. This is a text that I go back to to help me remind myself to, to be a thankful person and as a pastor be developing a culture of thanksgiving. That's one of the things we do is we are here to proclaim the goodness of God to create within this group a culture of thanksgiving according to the gospel. Many of you know that there's a lot of changes going on in our history books. Um, There are people that... are what called revisionists. They often now are going back and changing things because they don't like the way something happened, or it's offensive, or or just out flat out reject it. And so I thought it would take just a moment to remind you of, of why this holiday is called Thanksgiving and where it came from as a way of an introduction. The original Thanksgiving celebration was held by pilgrims, as we know and believe, and they had settled near Massachusetts area. And Thanksgiving came during actually going into their second winter in the year um, 1621. The first winter was devastating. You might remember this. There was 120 colonists that were in that gathered area just outside of what would be today uh, modern-day Massachusetts, and 44 of them didn't make the first winter. 102, 44 didn't make it. That's that's. Quite a percentage, isn't it? At one point, their daily food rations were down to five kernels of corn per person. That's what they were surviving on. But by the grace of God, an unexpected trading vessel showed up. They needed furs. They were able to swap their beaver pelts, and they gained grain and barely made it through that winter. By the grace of God, the next summer, they were able to plant crops, And it caused so much hope that the governor, William Bradford, at that time, decreed a day of thanksgiving, December 13th, 1621. He said it was to be set aside for a day of feasting and prayer to show gratitude to God that they were alive. (laughs) That's what happened in Thanksgiving. These pilgrims, seeking religious freedom, you know they had left Europe and come over to the, what would be the United States. They were seeking this opportunity, and they desired to give thanks to God for provision. That winter, that, that next summer, that summer that after, before this Thanksgiving, they were able to find a, a clearing that had bo- almost 20 acres that they could actually farm in. And they wanted to give God thanks for just a cleared land. They wanted to thank God that they did not have problems with hostile Native Americans that were in the area that others had. They wanted to thank God for religious freedoms that they could pray and give and serve in the way the Bible had taught them. They wanted to give God thanks for even sending interpreters to be able to have a relationship with the local Americans Along with the feasting and games involved in the, with the colonists, more than 80 friendly Native Americans Indians showed up, and with them they brought wild turkeys, venison and began to participate with them. The pilgrims offered prayers that day. There were several sermons given. Songs of praise were given throughout the entire celebration. And the celebration lasted for three days. three days. They praised God for life and all that he had given them. From that time forward, Thanksgiving has been celebrated as a day to give thanks to God for his grace and sufficient provisions. President Abraham Lincoln officially set aside the day Thursday of November in 1863. Quote, he said this, quote, as a day of thanksgiving and praise for a benefic- beneficent father. A giving father. That's what he wanted the day to be known for. In 1941, the Congress ruled that, 19, that after 1941, the fourth Thursday of November, be observed as Thanksgiving as a legal holiday. But interesting enough, we find throughout the Scriptures, over and over, is just replete, replete with Thanksgiving nearly from cover to cover. In Genesis, we find the patriarchs offering up sacrifices of thanksgiving to the God, the living God. The Israelites sang songs of thanksgiving as they were delivered from from Pharaoh and his armies. As God crushed them in the Red Sea, they broke out in thanksgiving. The Mosaic law itself set aside three times where the whole nation was to come together and offer praises to God of remembrance. Feast of Passovers, the Harvest or would soon to be co- combined with the uh, Feast of Pentecost. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, all remembering the greatness of God and that he provided for them. If you spend any time in the book of Psalms, uh, it is a book of thanksgiving, isn't it, in so many ways. Sure, there are precatory psalms and distraught men in that, crying out for God. But over and over, they turn to thanksgiving that God has provided for them and who he was. For the nation of Israel, it was his mighty works that they did for him. For the believer under grace, we look at those and praise him and apply them to our own lives, that God would know us, see us, even in our unformed parts, that he would ordain our days. The Psalms cause us to bring great thanksgiving to God. In the New Testament, there are Repeated admonitions to give thanks to God. Thanksgiving is always part of Paul's opening address in the book. All of his books except Galatians. He starts with a great praise of God for these people he's writing to. But he often writes of Thanksgiving. Some of my favorites are these. Just pin these down in your notes if you have a pin there. First Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. The will of God is thanksgiving. People ask all the time, what's the will of God for my life? It's thanksgiving. Being thankful, being grateful as Christians. And it is the will of God in Christ for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your quest be known to God. Even when we pray, even when our hearts are heavy, when we make supplication to God, when we plead for his help, the Bible says it is to be done in thanksgiving. This is the mark. This is the mark of true believers. We're thankful. And, and listen to each other's prayers. Are those prayers marked with thanksgiving? So often when I hear believers pray, they're, they're just full of thanksgiving, even though their hearts are heavy. You can hear thanksgiving come out because they have a trust and a God that can do what they can't. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, as he, as he is teaching young Timothy, therefore I exhort first of all that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. This is the way God operates. Of all, the, of, all of God's gifts, which are plentiful, As we just even look around the room, these are all gifts of God in here. And even buildings and all of that. that The greatest gift is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He consumes us. We're in Christ. We're positioned in Him. His work at the cross, his, His payment for our debt, to appease a holy and just God, it has to bring thanksgiving out of you. You have no spiritual pulse if it doesn't cause you to be thankful. My verse this week for this Thanksgiving week for me is this. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 15. You're welcome to share this verse with me. Thanks be to God for his indescribable or inexpressible gift. That's my verse this week. I don't know what yours is, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift as he speaks about Jesus Christ and the salvation that's been provided for him. It's indescribable at times. It's inexpressible at times. And though we try, we sing amazing worship songs that we've done. We pour our hearts out through the word of God. But in the end, can we get to the bottom of who God is and and, and even to a full expression of our beliefs in him? We, we, We fail at that, don't we? And yet we continue to try to say, God, you are worth it. I think we, like the pilgrims, have a choice. In life, there was always those things to complain about. Pilgrims had lost so many. I doubt that probably none of the family members had suffered great loss. Can you imagine watching your child or a loved one starve to death? go from terrible disease. But there is so much to be thankful for. And the reason why we keep this portion of history alive is it teaches us, those that are um, worldly, we are rich, aren't we? Just by, by living in America and what these people pressed forward for us, we are very wealthy when it comes to materialism. And as our society just grows More and more secular, more and more of rejection of the things of God, giving thanks on our part is necessary. Because our hearts are prone to wander. Our hearts are prone to be discouraged at times. And yet God has provided for us Thanksgiving every day. We can't eat like that every day, but Thanksgiving is every day for a believer. We should feel the heart of thanksgiving. And I would ask this morning, as we look at this text briefly here, that God would grant us that, that we would be grateful people. I, I would pray our church is marked by gratefulness. And I think any church that where the gospel is proclaimed, the whole counsel of God's word is proclaimed, his word is preached, not the, the views of men and uh, all the ramblings of of Uh, man-centeredness are pushed away and the Word of God is preached that this would be a place of grateful people. And I pray that you and I grow in our gratitude each and every day. This passage in Colossians is packed with gratitude and with challenges to find where we lose thanksgiving, where we lose gratitude, and challenges where we will find it. Let me look at a few thoughts today with me, follow along. Number one, the peace of Christ creates gratitude. Verse 15, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Josh read this uh, Alex read this passage to us, and we are grateful for it. Verse 15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Well, first of all, you just come against this word peace right away. It's a, it's, it's a command, it's not a suggestion. He's saying, let this peace, this peace rule in you. Well, the word just uh, certainly has in-depth meaning to it theologically and soteriology, but just the word itself has an idea of agreement, a treaty, a bond, and, and yet it has tremendous security in it as well as you look at it. This piece of Christ is a gift from God. Not everybody has this, do you realize? In fact, it's a limited commodity. The world does not know this piece God's word says they don't know my peace. My peace I give to you, not to the world. This is a very limited commodity. And it's it's different than anything the world can offer. Josh so appropriately opened our our worship with Romans chapter 5, having been justified by faith. And we know God gave us even the faith to believe, right? We couldn't faith our way to God. He had to open our hearts and mind to the knowledge of him and cause us to repent. That was a faith he gave us. But because of that faith, the Bible tells us we've been justified and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing to be thankful for. Friend, if you know Jesus Christ, you are no longer at war with God. Stop acting like it. We, We have eternal bond with him an eternal treaty with God through Jesus Christ he will never war against us again and the war between the now redeemed and God is over the price has been paid Christ's blood has been accepted on our behalf and so this peace rules within us and and if there's anything this morning that you hear that should give you gratitude and thanksgiving is your peace with God through Jesus Christ Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, in the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. (laughs) Let it guard your heart and mind. Oh, brother, sister, when you struggle, when you wrestle with things, it is the peace of God that causes us not to come undone. It causes us to stay in relationships. Stay in the battle. It gives us strength when we are weak. The peace of God through Jesus Christ strengthens and guards our heart from sin that wants to rob it, to take it away. He's guarding it through this. This is a resting peace for sure. It is an assurance. I don't get up in the morning and I trust you don't either. Okay God, how am I going to get my way to you again today? He has provided everything we need and we rest in this and it floods our soul as we submit to him daily. But notice the text says the peace of Christ, and so there's a definite article here. It's not just a peace of Christ, a peace that you can find through something, but it is the peace of Christ. That's where it's coming from. This peace belongs to Jesus. You know what he's talking about. Paul's referring to uh, to Jesus' statement recorded in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. Then he says this. My peace I give to you. The peace the world can't give. So we have the peace of God. It is is the greatest reason to be thankful. My peace. You know, isn't that amazing? The same peace that the Son has with the Father, He's given to us. I mean, just think about that for just a moment. The same peace between the Son and the Father that they've always had for all of eternity past, we now have. And yet we... Struggle on at times. He's given us his own personal peace. It is not just a human temporary peace that we experience when, when there are no major conflicts going on in our life. It is the complete peace that leads this life in the next. And he alone gives it. Do you have the peace that only comes from Christ? If you do, be thankful. Be worshipful. Be grateful. His peace, your counselor, another way he says is let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. This word for rule comes from um, uh, an act of a judge or an umpire of some sort. It's an imperative verb. The word of God is commanding us to let the peace rule, make decisions, counsel, be on the throne room of our heart and set the counsel and direction and guidance for all the things that we do. You want to be a thankful person? Let the peace of God have your throne of your heart. Let him have it. Quit fighting him. He'll guide you and counsel you. And you know what the the Lord always does? Is he counsels you towards gratitude. And you say, well, how do I know you'll be happy? still trials and struggles going on. Anybody have enough money they need? Anybody have perfect health? I mean, but yet there's a peace there. And God guides us along, he counsels along, he rules and and brings us along to those decisions that need to be made and we trust him with things. Notice there's also an inseparable bond between peace and gratitude and the body of Christ. Look at the end of verse 15. To which indeed you were called into one body. Be thankful. See, we're called to live in peace with one body. I think it's probably one of the most disturbing things that goes on in pastors' lives is when they hear there's conflict between people within the body. God's called us to peace. If he's forgiven my sins, I certainly have the authority and power to forgive you, and you forgive me, and there should be a oneness that's created from the peace of God, the forgiveness of our sins. Oh, friend, don't let another Thanksgiving go by. Where you don't, on your part, as as Paul says in Romans, at least on your part, you strive to live at peace with all men. Strive for that. You have the glory of God dwelling with you. Pursue that peace and build up one another, as he says in Romans 14. Believers enjoy peace of Christ that builds us up and doesn't tear us down. He says, he himself is our peace in Ephesians 2.14, right? He's made us one. He's broken down the, the walls of separation. It doesn't matter what our background is. We have tremendous peace with each other because we have peace with Christ. Now, how do we do this daily? How do we do this daily? Well, it's, it's, the gospel drives gratitude. The gospel drives gratitude. That's why we said so many times and so many people before us down through Christendom have said things like preach the gospel to yourself every day I mean, that's because it drives it. It puts us in the right mind. It it, it reminds us of the death, burial, and resurrection of a Christ who would leave heaven, step out of heaven, and and take on flesh. We're going to celebrate that in this next month of his incarnation, of him coming, because there was no other way. It reminds us that he's worth living for, and, and, and that brings gratitude. It brings tremendous gratitude into our life. Paul does this all the way through, and we don't have time to look at it, but you could start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, and go all the way to chapter 4, verse 2, and find how many times he says, be thankful, and talks about thanksgiving and gratitude. All built on the gospel. All built on the gospel. This is the peace that creates thanksgiving. Second thought, the word of Christ creates a melody of Thanksgiving. The word of Christ creates a melody of thanksgiving. I know this verse is common. As you look at verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. Certainly the parallel text is Ephesians 5.19 and includes the work of the Spirit in there. But the word of Christ is referring here to Christ's self-revelation of himself. He is the word. He is the logos. He speaks for God. We don't separate the written word from the living word. And so this word of Christ dwells. It's commanded to dwell within us. I love this word dwell. It's fun to track it down a little bit. It has this idea of the word of Christ feels at home in our life. Is is the word of God at home in your life? Or is it a foreign substance? This is a good question, isn't it? You want to be thankful? Want to be grateful? The word of God needs to be at home in your life. (laughs) It it needs to feel welcome there. It needs to infiltrate every part of it. That's what he's saying. This is how gratitude comes. The word of Christ becomes uh, dwelling us in every aspect. Paul is commanding us to let the word of Christ take up residency You want thankfulness? Let the word of God reside in your life. Notice it's derived richly, and this is another great adverb here, it's the idea of lavish. It's extraordinary, extravagant. That's the idea. Let Let it lavish you with the deep truths. You can't spend it all, right? Anybody yet got to the end of the Bible and understood it and applied it all? I mean, you know there's just lots of movements out there that people want to hear a word from God and all that stuff, but I, I got my work cut out. I, I'm 35 years into preaching this thing and it's still like I get into a text that I preach so many times and I learned so much this week from. It's extravagant. I can't spend it all. <laughs> Can you, have you got to where, well, you know, I'm done. I've, I'm broke biblically It's extravagant, and let it it richly dwell in you. Let it develop this this idea of permeating you, in your life. I think the Bible has harmony, and that's the idea of the word here. The word of Christ creates melody of thankfulness. I think there's a harmony to to it. The parallel text in in Ephesians 5.19 says, Make melody in your heart to the Lord. And so I I love when I hear our worship team, and uh, if you listen close enough, for those of us that can't do it, but you can hear them singing harmony. Those of us that aren't music inclined, we like like, that's really cool. Uh, I'm just working on the melody over here and trying to hang around when they make harmony, that's just, it's glorious, isn't it? And, I, and so I wrote down four ways, and you might want to write this down, to help the Word of God richly, extravagantly dwell in your life, to, to make a harmonious worship, a harmonious thanksgiving. Here's four things that are easy to remember. They're all H's, okay? I had to work hard on this, so help me out. Hear the Word of God. Ooh. Hear the Word of God. How many of you have drifted off already with me? They tell you in seminary that they only hear about ten percent of your sermon. It's kind of discouraging, isn't it? Because they're off. You know, Monday's coming. Some of you have family that are homesick, and there's a lot of things your minds are occupied with. But the Bible says, "Hear it." Jesus Himself said in Matthew thirteen, "He who has ears, let him hear." You want a harmonious life of thanksgiving. Hear the word. Put yourself under the preaching of the word of God. Maybe you just need to put it on in your app as you drive and just hear the word taught to you. Not that it creates some mystical thing, but you're hearing the word of God. This is the harmony. This is the thanksgiving that will come as you hear the word of God. The next one, another H, handle the word of God. Paul told Timothy to rightly handle, rightly divide, rightly handle the word of God. It's one thing to hear it and go, oh, that was a really good sermon. What was good about it? Uh, hmm, Not sure I remember. Go home and handle it. Get your hands on this beautiful book. Truth of this rightly divide it. Don't take it to make it fit and customize it for your life. It doesn't need to be customized. It doesn't need to be changed and manipulated. It's its its own source. It it is God's living word. It's perfect in every aspect. Handle it. Get your hands on it. Read it. Believe it. Oh, we got to hear it And we got to handle it. Third, hide the words of Christ in your heart. Hide the words of Christ in your heart. The psalmist in Psalms 119, verse 11, you know this verse says, Your word I have hidden or treasured or stored in my heart that I might not sin against you. As believers, do we, I hope you can say this with me, do you hate sinning against God? I hate my sin. I really do. I still commit it. But I hate it. And the Bible has an answer here. How we can have thanksgiving in harmonious life is that when we hide, we treasure, um, we store up this truth in our hearts, not, not in our peripheral, not on the outside to conform us so we look like good little riverbend Christians. But it's to be something that is internal. And, and it begins to change us and, and then it helps us and gives us a safeguard against sin. Sin's goal is to kill and destroy you. That's its goal. That's why he introduced it in the garden. You've heard me say this before. The goal is to sin. of sin is to break, destroy, and kill. That is its goal. How are you going to guard yourself? It's after your marriage, your children, your business, your finances, after your mind, your heart. It's after everything it is. And you go, oh, I want to be thankful. Hide God's word in your heart memorize scripture but don't uh, we and a lot of our discipleship class we have people memorizing scripture because it's important to learn to kind of get that in there but soon as you meditate on it you'll begin to think you'll, you'll you can think about that verse because you've meditated on every part of it and you begin to store it away and it begins to guard your heart pick something you're struggling with maybe it's your marriage maybe it's maybe it's lust Um, uh, maybe it's materialism, Uh, whatever it may be that's hiding away in your heart, do you want to beat that? Do you want the grace of God to be greater to you than those treasures of the world, than treasure the word of God? See, it's what, that's why we hide our, we hide in the words of God. We store it there. The last one, hold fast the word of Christ. Hold fast. Philippians chapter two, verse 16 says, holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, Paul says about them. In other words, James would say this, be doers of the word of Christ. Be doers of the word. Hold fast to it. Let's go. What the word says, let's do. Right? Let's not sit around and have a theological debate about it. Let's see what the word says and let's do it. Oh, you want Thanksgiving and you want harmony in your life? There's four things. Hear it, handle it, hide it, and hold on to it. See, this results in a harmonious melody of thanksgiving in your life. The word of Christ should produce overflowing worship. Notice what happens at the end of that. It takes us through wisdom passages. It takes us through teaching passages. It takes us through passages of admonishment that we need. We see the psalms and we see the hymns and the spiritual songs that arise from that. Our heart begins to be gripped with thankfulness and melody breaks out. And we begin to worship, true worship. Not just a Sunday morning affair, but it's real and it it starts maybe here on on Sunday school but moves into Monday school and Tuesday school and forth because it's gripped our hearts. Number three, God-given roles are to be fulfilled in gratitude. God-given roles are to be fulfilled in gratitude. These roles are often opportunities of loss of thanksgiving that we're going to talk about just briefly here this morning. Now, they're not, they're, they're, they are not. are given and designed to produce thanksgiving in our life, but often they create loss of thanksgiving because we mishandle them. Look at verse 17 just briefly. Excuse, uh, yeah, just briefly. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So whatever you do, and now he's going to give us this list of things that we're probably all going to fall into in one way or another here. These are the things that we take from God, and, and we do these for his glory, and we receive thanksgiving through serving in, in this opportunity. But these same things often rob people. Of Thanksgiving. Notice in verse 18, the Bible says, Wives be subject to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. A wife fighting the leadership of her husband will tend to lose her gratitude. She, has, she does not worship God in her role. And it's robbing her of joy. It's robbing her. It, it, it's closely connected. Joy is so closely connected to Thanksgiving. God's chosen her for this unique role to bring him glory. He didn't give it to anyone else. He gave it to just her for that man. He did not, he did not say them, uh, this is a multiple role that I'm gonna bring glory to myself. I am singling you to bring glory to me in this role. It's a unique role. So she, she is neither thankful for her husband or she ultimately receives just a lack of Gratitude. But, but the opposite is just as true. I want you to think about this. When a, when, when a wife, when, when she chooses to pursue the glory of Christ and she lines her affairs up under the headship of her husband, the result is joy and it produces thanksgiving. It's coming. It's going to come. And, and, it, and we're not pretending things are easy here. But, our, but what we fall into why we lost, lost joy and why lost Thanksgiving, uh, lose Thanksgiving, is because we're always trying to fix the other person. Peace of Christ combined with the word of Christ, comforts this woman, draws her into contentment with her heavenly Father's choice. He woos her into this, follow this choice that I have for you, and you will gain contentment. With the help of the Spirit, and with the peace of Christ and the word of Christ, she, she sees her role as bigger than just some uh, word like submission that the world tramples on, she sees her role as an example to all who look upon as the beauty and gorgeous role of the church. She teaches us, as we look at her, as she adores her bride, her groom, as, as the church should adore the groom of Christ. When her joy and gratitude starts to fade, she runs back to that place where she finds peace. That's why she gains Thanksgiving. Through the years, I've seen women in difficult situations who were some of the most happy and thankful people. They found found all that they needed in Christ, not in what she had or didn't have. And think about this before I leave and move to husbands. Her her whole family greatly benefits from her thankful heart. They rise up and call her blessed. Blessed. She she has a great role of bringing thanksgiving to the entire family. A happy wife, a happy life. Even the world says that, right? If mama's not happy, nobody's happy. The world even says that, right? But our Bible tells us even more. She has a great infectious nature to the the family. When she's obeying God, her God-given role results in gratitude. Notice the next verse. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. The husband who fails to love his wife helps create a joyless home. It's thankless because the husband's thankless. The husband's unique, agape love is, is not to be shared with anything or any other person but this God-ordained woman given to him. And once that love is given away to another object or another person, it, it, has, it, it creates bitterness And it only robs the wife of her gratitude and and actually robs the entire family. We've seen this happen. Maybe in our own lives. His love is not dependent based. His love is not what he gets in return. His love is unconditional. And thus he provides his bride with protection from bitterness and resentment. But instead the husband finds strength to lead with love through, through the peace of Christ that now rules his heart. He sees her as a treasure. He sees her as a gift from God. This peace sustained by the word of God has has not merely affected his outward behavior, but now it begins to penetrate deep within him. He sees a greater spiritual lesson there. He, He sees the worth of what he's been called to do. and He grasps this. His very soul is daily replenished from the word of Christ, from the, peace of Christ from the gospel, and he begins step by step with the strength of the Spirit to love his wife faithfully. His example is Jesus himself, right? Jesus laid down his life, he's shown the husband the way, he's shown him how to lay down your life for the bride, and he knows love because Jesus showed him it. And so he begins to live with joyfulness and thankfulness for his wife and his family. He sees his wife as a gift from the Lord. We're going to be opening gifts here in the next month or so, aren't we? Someone's going to give you something that you're going to really appreciate, I hope. But she's that gift. Handpicked by God for you, men. And not just stumbling his way into it. He knows all things. He is sovereign, omniscient and all that he does. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's known this from the foundations of the world. He knows our days and ordains them. And he equips us and puts us together with who he deems for us to have. Sin confuses that, of course. She is a gift from God. You want to lose thankfulness? Reject the gift God gave you. See, this is about Thanksgiving, isn't it? And we're going to sit around the table with family and friends. And for some of us, there's some, some struggles, isn't there? And let's be honest, some, of these, some families are torn up by divorce and different things have gone on. And I, and I trust that, I mean, I'm not saying you've got to go back and repair something you cannot repair, but have you been right with God on that? Make sure you're right with God. And whatever does sit there that God has put into your care, men, I'm speaking to you, love and cherish and protect and lead And let the gospel infuse those relationships. And you'll have joy. Yeah, there's consequences. We'll see that in the last verse. There's consequences. But what if you were thankful in consequences? You'll have joy and you'll lead your family somewhere where they can't get on their own. Verse 20 now turns to children. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to God. Children can be grateful Yes, that's a true statement. It's true because the Bible says it. It's commanding them to be grateful, to be thankful, to be obedient. It, it, children can find deep joy in obeying their parents through the love of God. Without it, they'll, they'll suffer everything from depression to rebellion. That's what, that's what disobedience leads to. And, the, and, and society's going to blame you, the parents, They're going to find something to put them on to get them over that. And yet the Bible gives an answer here to be obedient. It wards off all kinds of problems. Most everything can be taken care of with obedience to God's word. Children, you have a great opportunity. Notice a little word all there. You know I like to circle those words. All. This is the opposite of half-hearted and halfway or, or some kind of partial obedience that's displeasing to God. In fact, the Bible says this is well pleasing to him. I like that term. Kids. The Bible says you can please God. Me? I, I'm in student ministry. I, I you know I no, no. You can please God. Can you, can you imagine the Heavenly Father with And I hope this doesn't go too far as a child obeys its parents, the smile that is on the face of God because he knows what that's going to save that child from. I think Christ is our example, John 8, 29, and he, Father who sent me, Jesus, he's speaking here, is with me and he has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Kids, you want a verse for example? There it is. Jesus says, I always please my Father. This is what he's called me to do. So children, obey God, and the reward is joy and thankfulness. And these traits are extremely uh, attractive. When I met Gina years ago, coming on 32, she was one of the most happy, thankful women I'd ever met. She was absolutely beautiful, too. We'll give her that. But there was something different about her. She wasn't complaining about everything. She was thankful. She had a heart of gratitude, and it was so attractive. I I tried my hardest. She ran me off for about six months. I'd go back to my little room, and that's it. I'm done. I'd wake up in the morning and couldn't wait to talk to her. Drove me crazy. Six months and a broken ankle later, I got her. But I was attracted to her gratitude, her thanksgiving, the way she loved her mom and dad, the way she loved her sister. You know, it's hard to date Eeyore. There's nothing good about the date. Nothing good about the dinner. There's nothing good about the weather. Everything's bad. I'm looking over at our student section. I'll look over here for a little while. Eeyore is tough to date. He complains about everything. Children. Obey God. There's great thanksgiving. There's great joy that comes. 21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Grateful fathers often produce grateful children. There there may be some who will struggle within that batch and, and we can't control salvation, but grateful fathers raise grateful children. And that's what I think he's trying to get across here. You want to have a heart of thanksgiving? Be thankful, Dad. Complain about the bills and and society and everything else constantly. Guess what your children are going to do? They're little mini-you's. So be grateful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. It won't exasperate your children. If Dad is grateful, children will know what to expect, too. Sometimes dads are a little Jekyll and Hyde when they come home. Well, what's dad going to be like today? You know. Be grateful. Yes, life's hard. And yes, it's difficult. And and men, we're going to have to go to God. We're going to have to go to our knees. And we're going to have to dwell ourselves in the richness of Christ's word because we're overwhelmed and we are human and we are but dust and we do have our struggles. But if we can consistently turn to the peace of Christ, turn to the peace of the word of God that richly dwells within us, oh, they'll see that. Verse 22, slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service but as those, who, uh, as those who merely please men but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And we don't really live in this age as much, although I think there's an application to employees here, but, but if we go back into first century, slaves were often parts of the family. They, they were part of the family. I read a a blog on a woman who was raised in earlier parts of even our society now and she was raised in the Philippines, and they brought a slave with them and lied and said she was an aunt and changed her name and all that. And She said, I was really raised with a slave, the way my parents treated her in so many ways. But she said, she was a part of our family. She was the one who showed me God. She was the one who, who was just in, she served in incredible ways. And, and, and she said, though I would reject any of this on society at this point, I was so grateful because this woman who was our aunt really served God through serving my family it was a heartbreaking testimony of the way she was treated at times but yet a confession to what she had seen and 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 so regardless of their status God had a role for them and we're no way of condoning this but God has a role for everyone thankfulness is directly tied to the peace of Christ and the word of God no matter what your situation may be And and think about, they had so little earthly means, but a saved slave, particularly in the first century here, was far richer than his master or her master because they had the riches of Christ. So gratitude from the peace and word of Christ was to drive them to live for Christ and obey their master. I have so many great examples in this. And, And just like the wife, she's to to submit or line her affairs up as is fitting to the Lord, so was this slave or this employee to do this for the Lord, not merely as men-pleasers, but, but for the Lord from sincerity of heart. And, and Jesus, again, is a shining example. Mark 10, 45, we just saw this, right? He, for even the Son of Man did not come to be, what? Served, but to serve others and lay his life down for a ransom for many. I mean, that's, that's this is what he did, can you imagine being a slave and you and you know, there was no way out of your slavery your master was not going to release you and Christianity came along and somebody taught you the gospel and by God's grace your eyes were opened and guess what they pointed them to as their example the very Lord Jesus Christ who said I've come to be a slave very similar word and we we Christians Romans chapter 6 says we're slaves we're slaves of Christ now we're slaves of God and so we do this and out of it comes this heart of gratitude. Out of this comes Thanksgiving. And I don't have time to go on this, but one of the, probably the greatest, one of the greatest slaves we watch in Scripture is Daniel. 595, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and wipes out everybody and most likely killed his parents. He's taken in. He becomes part of this regime. And not just one, but how many? Three. And through it all, he served perfectly his masters as he served God. And there's example after example of that throughout the scriptures. So I mean we would apply this to work. Do you work for someone? Do you have people work for you? Be a servant of Christ. Bring thanksgiving into the workplace. Oh, Christians, we should bring a uniqueness to our workplace. We should. Should be happy when you're around. Hey, there's a the Christian. Bring happiness for the reward the reward of serving with a grateful heart. Look at verse 23 and 24. i got to hurry. Whatever you do, do, with, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. I love this word heartily. It, it's suke uh, in the Greek and, and we would translate it soul or life but the tensest way it's set, set up here it means something that is deep within us and so there is this working or serving from the Lord that comes deep within us, it's heartily it's not something to easily tore down it's strong because it's inside of us and we, and we serve and it brings about this grateful heart and, and, and it strengthens you There's no compromise in it. Notice verse 24, it says, knowing, here's the result, knowing, brothers and sisters, you do this knowing that you're going to receive a reward of an inheritance. And, and, oh my goodness, no time to go on that, but Romans 8, come on, think about that. You share in the inheritance as joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you go, Scott, I haven't had much on this earth. Yeah, that might be true for many of us. wait till you get to heaven. And you sit at the table as sons and daughters of the king. The streets, gold is is like asphalt. Being in the presence of God is glorious and will capture us for all of eternity. There's no greater wealth than you could ever imagine. And so this is what causes thanksgiving. This is what causes gratitude. Remembering that, yes, maybe I don't have a lot. Maybe I've suffered hardship in this world. Maybe I've been treated unjustly. But I have a king who has reserved an inheritance for me. And I will serve him. Lord, help my heart be grateful. And finally, just in closing, as we move to communion today, be thankful, not vengeful. Be thankful, not vengeful. Look at 25. For he who does wrong will receive consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. I am thankful I don't have to go set the record straight. Every miss or injustice done to you, you know them. You know people that have hurt you, done things to you. You think you can go back and fix all that? You want to lose your joy? Go try to do that. Go try to manipulate people and get them to do what you want them to do. Get them to say I'm sorry to you or, for, or ask your forgiveness. You need to just work yourself to death and lose all your joy doing that. Here's what I encourage you to do. Trust God. He'll set the record straight. Pray for their repentance. Pray that they'll experience the joy and thanksgiving that you have, but trust God. He will take care of it. And so when we try to take things into our own hand, we won't be thankful, we won't be grateful, but when we trust him, we will. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and, fall, and say falsely all kinds of things of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. a Pretty good company to be in. The grateful, saved people, full of Christ's peace in his word, look to heaven, a place where sin does not reign. That's the way we do. And we let God take care of those things. Father, we thank you for a time to be in your word. Lord, we could spend hours upon hours just in that one text because the word is so sufficient. Has everything we need for life and godliness in it. We look for nothing else, Lord. And we thank you that we can trust your word. And Lord, as we move into a week of thanksgiving, what a special week this is. Particularly for Christians. The world kind of blows through Halloween right into Christmas. But not us, Lord. We use this time, this moment, this few days that we may have a few days off here to, to remind ourselves how grateful we are. We're grateful for the peace of Christ and the word of Christ that rules in our heart, that gives us gratitude and thanksgiving. Lord, keep us from grumbling and complaining. Keep us from not accepting the gifts that you have given us and treating them as though they were you, you yourself. Help us, Lord. We, we want to be a happy, grateful people, Lord, so we pray that you would instill that truth into our hearts, give us that harmonious melody of thanksgiving. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.